Our second reading this morning comes from the first book of Samuel, the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. This is the familiar story of Samuel's call to be a prophet, a call he received when he was only a child. At that time, Samuel was living and serving in God's sanctuary at Shiloh under the guidance of a priest named Eli. You see, the people of Israel did not yet have their temple at Jerusalem, nor had they ever had a king like Saul or David or Solomon. The chapter we hear today comes out of an in-between time in Israel's story, when God was just on the edge of doing a new thing. Hear these words from Holy Scripture. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. When I was a 20-year-old college student, five of my best girlfriends and I signed a lease on an off-campus apartment. For every one of us, that apartment was our first place and just having it made us feel so grown up. We had the top two floors of a hulking Victorian house all to ourselves. It was our castle. And it had even come furnished with past students' Ikea bargains and a few funkier pieces for character. My favorite was our old orange velvet couch. So what? So what if it had probably been picked up off the sidewalk by some other student? It was awesome. And it was ours, just like the place. 
with a few coats of paint in truly regrettable colors. One bedroom could only be described as Pepto-Bismol pink. We transformed that apartment into the home of our dreams. Okay, so it was a bit of a dump. And it worried our parents because it wasn't exactly safe. There was this one summer night when my roommate woke up to a rustling sound and she went down the hall to investigate and found a man in our kitchen who'd crawled in through the window off of our fire escape. She screamed and he left. But let's just say our neighborhood could be a bit unpredictable, especially at night. Like there was this other night when two of us awoke to an unusual sound. We must have each gotten up to find one another because we ran into each other in the hallway. What is that? It sounds like it's right outside. As we crept together down the stairs, we kept hearing it, and we had to agree that it sounded like there was a baby crying in the alleyway. But it can't be, right? We kept moving down into the darkness, holding onto each other and freaking out. My housemate was giggling a lot, but it's weird. She laughs when she's scared. So we went like that until we got outside to the front porch and peered over the edge into the alley. There was no baby. There was no one at all. On the way back upstairs, we decided it was probably a cat. Yes, definitely a cat. That was the logical explanation. And we each went back to our own rooms, locked the doors, turned off the lights, and went back to sleep. I wonder, have you ever experienced a time like that? A time of disorientation when you could not really trust what you heard or what you saw? A time when you were in the dark, perhaps in more ways than one? You know, that's how Samuel's story starts. It was a dark time when Samuel was young. The word of the Lord was rare. Visions were not widespread. When we hear that even Eli's eyesight was failing, we may wonder whether his spiritual insight was dimming as well. And when we hear that the lamp of God had not yet gone out in the sanctuary, we hang on that word yet. The lamp had not yet gone out, but, you know, it could. The lamp of God is flickering. Now, on the one hand, that is a mundane detail. It's meant to tell us what time it was. You see, a lamp was set with just enough oil so that it would remain lit through the night, but it was meant to go out once the sun came up. So we are to understand that Samuel's call took place sometime before sunrise when the lamp of God had not yet gone out. That makes sense. But if you know the dark night of the soul, or if you've ever awoken to fear or to doubt in the dead of the night, you'll hear more in those words, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. You know how encompassing the darkness can be and how faint that flame can appear. You know what it's like to wonder if the light of God can really stand up to all this.
But it is into that very darkness that God speaks. God speaks and a servant wakes. What's that? Who's there? It takes a minute for Samuel to get his wits about him, but he pads down the hall to Eli's room. Because there has to be a logical explanation for this voice that he heard. It must have been Eli calling. Samuel mistakes God's call for Eli's. And we have much the same problem. We too have trouble picking out the divine signal from a lot of human noise. But what the story of Samuel and Eli offers us is a little lesson in listening. It's not just a call story. It's a listening story. How do we learn to hear what God is saying to us? How do we open ourselves up to the possibility that we might hear what God is saying? When I was a teenager, my mom would wake me up for school every morning at 6 a.m., and every day it was the same. She would come, and she would stand in the doorway of my room, and she would sing, it's time to get up, rise and shine. And she would keep doing that until she saw my feet hit the floor. I hated that. <laughs> but I understand why she did it that way. It worked. Now that I'm grown, I sometimes wish my relationship with God were more like that. But when God called Samuel, when God awakened Samuel, God did not just throw on the lights and shout, rise and shine. It was a process. It was slow going at first, as Samuel learned to listen. God called once, twice, a third time. It just took some time for that message to come through, for Samuel to understand. And sometimes that's hard to accept when we want answers from God. We want to know our purpose or a clear set of instructions to follow. And so it's hard to accept that to listen well, we have to listen longer. Understanding dawns slowly. Even once God has begun to speak, we may find we are still struggling with some uncertainty, with questions. What's that? Who's there? What now? Samuel goes to Eli with his questions, and I think that that is really important. If you want to listen well to God, it is best not to listen alone. This is true for all of us. We are, after all, the people of God, and not just a loose confederation of God-oriented individuals. We live in relationship. We rely on one another as we seek the truth and as we seek God's will, not only for ourselves, but for this church. We do it together. And while that is simple, it is far from obvious. We live in individualistic times. We want to be self-sufficient. Sometimes it even takes a crisis, a hospitalization, a lost job, or a failure before we'll admit that we need help. And so many of us suffer in isolation. Many of us miss out on a whole lot of love. But what's worse 
is that we might miss or misinterpret God's call when it comes. No, listening for God's call is not a solo endeavor. It's something especially important for our young people to remember. Since January, I've had the unique joy of leading the confirmation class. And togetherness, I would say, has been a big theme for us. We read the Bible together, we work together, we ask questions of one another. Each student wrote his or her own personal faith testimonial, but we also wrote a confession of faith for our whole class. We believe in God, to whom we belong in life and death, who is faithful here and now. We believe. It's not just you or me. We got that right. Yeah, good. By the way, if you want to read the student's confession, we'll have a few copies available at the reception after worship. It's worth a read. Anyway, on this Confirmation Sunday, if I could just say one thing to you all, it would be this. Like Samuel, you have already been claimed by God. God is already at work in your lives. But like Samuel, you're on the edge of something new. I know that many of you are straining to hear what God might be saying about your future. You want to know where God is calling you and for what and why and how it's all going to happen. I want to encourage you to listen well and to heed the call. It will come. But don't try to figure it out all on your own. Stick together and stick with us and ask questions of your parents, of the adults here, and of your pastors. Let this be a place where you don't have to have it all figured out. This is the place for grace. And let this be a place where you know you're not alone. This is the place for love and for friendship. It's very good for that. But faith family... You heard what I just told him. That means we're on the hook. What if confirmation is the start of a new chapter for all of us, and not just for these young people? God is adding 31 people to our number in a single day. They are knowledgeable about the Bible. They are engaged in the life of this community. They are very gifted, and they love God. That's more than Samuel could say. The Bible tells us that the boy Samuel did not even know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And yet, Eli took him seriously. So we have our work cut out for us. We have a responsibility. Now, of course, when Eli first responded to Samuel, he did not get it right. And we will not get it right all the time either. But what we hear in Scripture is our responsibility to listen to the young and to help them interpret their experiences in holy terms. Once Eli laid aside his assumptions and perceived that it was God calling Samuel, then he gave good advice, which was, of course, to listen more, but also for Samuel to show God, to tell God that he was listening, to pay attention to God, even in the darkest hour of the night. 
Eli did not know what would happen next. But he met Samuel in the darkness of his uncertainty, and he turned him gently toward God. You know, at the end of the day, I don't really know whether you are an Eli or a Samuel. It might not always depend on your age. I don't know if it's time for you to answer a call or if it's time for you to help someone else with theirs. But these practices of humble attentiveness to God and to one another are important for all of us. So what if, for today, you just listened to a child or to a teenager or to a 20-something or to a 40-something or to an 80-something? What if you listened past the point where you thought you knew the answer? What if you listened past the point when you thought you knew the ending? What if you didn't interrupt? Friends, we might all catch a prophecy. We might hear God's justice, the dream of God's love writ large in the world. So just listen. Listen to the young who see everything with fresh eyes. Listen to people who are older than you who've seen it all. Listen in committee. Listen in your life group and in your Bible study. Listen to the great ones and to the very least whose voices have hardly been heard at all. Because when we listen long and well through the darkness and the struggle and with one another's help, we may yet discover what God is up to these days in Westlake Hills. We may yet discover where God is calling our church. Because the light of Christ is still burning bright in this sanctuary, maybe God is about to do a new thing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.